Design New Podcast, Episode 30. If you are stressed, stretched and stuck and ready to take your life to the next level, reach out to me for a free 30-minute strategy call to see what steps you can implement right now to design your best life. Email me at connect at tinamurray.com and let's create your own unique blueprint to lay the foundations for that life that you really want. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board, Tim Olson. Timo is a motivator, a blogger, and the author of Growing Up Nobody. Tim uses his story and experiences to help motivate others by helping them forgive those who have hurt them and helping break the lines of dysfunction that holds so many of us back. Join me as I chat with Tim about the power of forgiveness. Hi Tim, welcome to the Design New Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So tell me, what is it you're doing right now to design your best life? Right this minute, I'm, I'm on your show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, every day is, is something new, I think. I, I, I'm just always trying to move forward, learn something new. And, um, and so I just try to pass on that kind of information to other people as I try to learn things and use my life experiences to hopefully encourage others to move forward and not keep repeating the same mistakes they've, they've made. Because mm. for some reason, we like to do that. We like to repeat things over and over again. Yeah. Well, it's comfortable for us, isn't it? It is. It's what you know. And it depends on what kind of mistakes you're talking about. For me, I talk a lot about um, family dysfunction. And so, you know, breaking off from a lot of your family might still be doing that dysfunction and to get away from that can be very, very difficult because they can suck you back in really easily. Well, that's the thing with family. They know us, they, they've, you know, we've sort of, de- with your family, you develop habits that, you know, one person acts one way, so you automatically that way. And so there's all these expectations about behavior within that group. And so it is hard to break those patterns. How do you help people do that? You know, I guess by using my own personal story, uh, I've, ca- I became from a real dysfunctional family and I just knew at a young age, I didn't want to follow those footsteps. Mm. I didn't want to follow my dad's footsteps, especially, but his issue, he dealt with a lot of mental illness and, and things like that. So that mm. was his reasoning. But even so, with the behaviors that I saw him do, as I got older, I started repeating a lot of those behaviors myself. Wow. And I didn't have the mental illness either as an excuse, but you, you know what you know, the, the household you grew up in, the marriage that you saw or the parenting that you saw, that's what you know. And you mm-hmm. tend to repeat that whether you want to or not. Cause I really didn't want to, but I still did. So when you saw that you were repeating the same behaviors, was that something that you were aware of straight up or did it take time to, for you to realize that you were basically being the person that you didn't want to be? Uh, it took a long time. I didn't, I didn't realize it. I, 
I I hate to say it in these terms, but I, I feel like I was a real jerk to people. You were either for me or against me. And I eliminated a lot of people out of my life because I wasn't going to deal with them. And I could always reason it in my own head to say that it was them. And so, uh, but a lot of it was me, you know, <laughs> it really was. I wasn't patient. I wasn't kind to them in any way, shape or form that I just wouldn't put up. And I kind of still feel like I'm that way. I don't put up with people's baloney, but you know, I, um, I just had no patience for anything. And I really did take insult to a lot of things that people did and took it personally, even if they didn't mean it. And then they were out of my life and I just didn't want anything to do with them anymore. Mm. But that's a really brave person to be able to see that and to know that it comes back to them. Because of course, if we're seeing the same behavior mirrored back to us all the time, we need to start looking and saying, well, maybe there is something that I'm contributing to that. But that's a hard thing for us to get to. So why do you think you finally got to a point where you're like, you know what, this is as much about me as it is about them? You know, and that, like you said, it's very hard. And that's the one thing I always try to focus on with people too, is that, you know, we all seem to want to just change the world. We all have this big quest to like change everything, but we don't look at ourselves first. And I've looked at life as uh, like when you throw a pebble into a pond, it starts there and it just ripples out. So you got to start at the center and start with yourself. And it's very, very difficult because I didn't want to admit that I was being like my dad. I mean, the one thing I said I wasn't going to be and here I was. <laughs> so that's very difficult. It's really hard to look at yourself. And I don't know how to convince people that they need to do that. But a lot of things that happen, you know, I really believe like 90% of the things that happen in your life is part is because of things that you've done. There's this 10% that, you know, my dad's mental illness. I didn't have anything to do with that. Sure. But the way I reacted to it and the things I did there, there's your 90%. And so I, I helped fester a lot of things too, because of the, my behavior. So mm -hmm. if we can learn not to repeat a lot of those behaviors, look at ourselves and think we want to take a different road or anything. Um, one thing I really talk about is forgiveness. Once you forgive people, it's a lot easier to let a lot of that go. And you don't keep that anger around, which is part of my problem. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of anger towards the world, the people around me, things like that. So once I could forgive people, I was able to let go and I didn't have that anger. And so much more things just rolled off my shoulders. I didn't get upset about such small things anymore. And uh, not that people don't drive me crazy sometimes because <laughs> they do, but sure. it, it was a lot easier after that point of learning just to forgive. And it didn't mean if you forget, but to forgive people for what they've done. Yeah, well, that's really difficult for us all to do. And of course, you know, a big part of what I'm hearing you talk about is our ego, which is such you know, that's our driving force in the way we react to people and, you know, it, everything comes back to us. So when we can step beyond our ego, that is when we can surrender to some forgiveness. So how do you get people to get to that? Because ego is huge. It's what drives us. <laughs> well, and I have an ego too, I tell you. We all um, do. <laughs> <laughs> my wife will tell you. I mean, that's, that's why I... That's, I mean, to be honest, I mean, a, a lot of what I do, the reason I wrote my book and what I do and, and stuff is I sincerely want to help people. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't have somewhat of an ego to want to be out there either, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing these things. Sure. Um, one thing I did for myself, and I don't know if it's the way everybody can can go through forgiveness, but I assigned 
basically I tried to figure out the motives for people and I put them in three categories. And once I started to look at those categories and how they were, it was a lot easier. Uh, my dad fit in this category I called the unintentional offender because of his mental illness. He, a lot of the things that he did, he didn't do on purpose. He didn't set out to hurt me. And I think a lot of people are like that because they, you know, in marriages and stuff, you can hurt your spouse because you don't understand how they are. And I can give an example of my wife and I, mm -hmm. she grew up in, with an alcoholic dad and a lot of tr you know dramatic stuff going on in her house. If I, as a guy, I get a little frustrated. I get a little more bass in my voice. And to her, that is yelling. Sure. And it took a long time for us to understand that difference. Now, I wasn't hurting her on purpose, but I might as well have almost gotten her face and pointed my finger out right at her nose because to her, it was almost the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of an unintentional thing when you just don't understand the dynamic of the relationship. So a lot of things fall into that. And once you can understand those types of things, I really believe you can start to forgive people to think, hey, he doesn't understand my history. He doesn't understand that to me, that is very dramatic and painful. And so you can forgive when you do that. At least that's how the process I went through. I really went try through and tried to figure out motives. Yeah. I'd the hard to. one, I was just going to say the hard one is the intentional forgive, um, offender because when they did it on purpose, that's a little harder to forgive. Absolutely. And what's the third one? Um, I call them the ego booster. And this is the stuff that I really believe is daily stuff. I mean, we've all got that friend or relative that has to just kind of one up you all the time. And I even think that's where the bullies in life fit in because bullies are hurt and they just kind of put you down and not a level mm. to raise themselves up. Mm. And yet it can really hurt you when you're being put down you know, but they're doing it just to lift themselves up. And when I understood that about people too, it made what a big difference that I just knew they don't feel good about themselves. So if making them feel good, taking a cheap shot at me is going to make them feel good, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I'm going to go home and do my thing anyway, you know, but I took it very serious when stuff like that happened before. I was seriously offended and now I don't care. Yeah. So just to repeat the three of them, uh, can you just go through them again? Just quickly list them off. Uh, the the ego booster. Yep. And, and that's the basic one. The unintentional offender and then the intentional offender. Okay. And intentional offender, even my mom fit in that one. She should have known better with some of the stuff she did. She didn't have the mental illness or anything to blame. And so it makes it a lot harder to forgive. And I had a lot more um, events with my dad in my life, him and I just fought all the time and, and everything, but it was still easier to forgive him than my mom because mm -hmm. I knew that some of that stuff she did, she should have known better. And then in that same category too, that goes all the way up to rapists and murderers and stuff. And I really don't even have an answer for somebody when they, you know, somebody kills their child and you see these stories and they go in and people forgive them. And I just don't even know if I could do that. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Absolutely. And it just shows the strength that some people do have. And, you know, when part of what, when you're talking about the unintentional offender, where, you know, you're talking about a trigger for your wife when, um, the, you know, the different level of voice raising. And so I think a big part of it too is coming to understand what our own triggers are because when you know that and can it communicate to someone 
you know what, that makes me feel like this because I know it sounds irrational to you, but for me, this takes me back to being three years old when my dad did blah, 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 or whatever our story is with it. So it's very much also about being able to communicate what our triggers are, not to be stuck in them and, you know, stay in them, but to at least when something comes up, you can go, oh, no, that's my stuff. (laughs) It's not really theirs. Yeah. It is. And to know what it is about yourself, you know, I, like I said, I was angry a lot and anger is. And when I heard this, it just blew me away. Anger is nothing but a symptom of being hurt. Mm. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'm angry. It's because I'm hurt. And I, I was hurt. I was hurt about the way my dad treated me and, and everything else that happened in my life. And so I was walking around hurt. And so stuff just set me off so easy. And so it makes a big difference when you understand that. And yeah, when you don't understand other people's triggers and you have to know what they are yourself and it doesn't, you know, a lot of times you said it, it, it seems irrational. Mm. I can have things that will just uh, floor me and it, it is irrational and I even know it, mm-hmm. but for some reason it just sets you back or it hurts or whatever. And it's hard to not react to it. And I sometimes have to try to talk myself down and sometimes I react too and it is irrational and I shouldn't have reacted that way. You know, it's, it's very difficult. So in this forgiveness process, obviously there's nurturing of ourselves in amongst all of that because it's not just about the external. As you said, it comes back to that ripple effect starts with us. How do you help people to nurture themselves and get to a point where they can start that forgiveness? Well, I think, you know, you have to... I think a lot of the things we already kind of talked about, you have to know yourself. You have to know that you're not perfect and that a lot of, you have a role in a lot of this stuff too, because forgiving other people is one thing, but forgiving yourself is a whole nother thing yeah. because I had done things that I was not proud of and, and I did them and I had to admit that, boy, I was the one who was to blame in these situations. I'm the one who, I, I I had the sole role in these <laughs> these things. And so it's very difficult to do that even. And so I think it's a process too of forgiving yourself. And you so you have to know yourself very well and you have to be willing to admit to your role of things, which we don't want to do. We never want to say it's us. It's so easy to point the finger, you know, but like they say, there's four pointing back at you or three and a thumb, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, but um you know, you have to realize you can only control you. You are the one that's the common denominator in most of your problems, too. So you really have to look inwards. And we just don't want to do it. I think we're afraid what we'll see a lot of times. Mm. Yeah, it's scary to face all of that and to admit what we have done wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so when you first speak to people about the thing that you're suggesting that they forgive other people, what's the reaction you get? What's the first thing often people say? You know, I think a lot of people really know it. They just sometimes need to be told it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing. I, I guess I've had really good experiences with with the people I've talked to about it. And I did a whole talk just on the forgiveness aspect once and Right afterwards, I had a man come up to me and say, I have to go home right away and talk to my wife. He goes, we got some things and I need to go talk to her. And I think it just kind of told me like he knew. And he, as soon as he heard that, he just knew that 
that's what I have to go do. And I think a lot of us know that. Uh, we like to hold on to it, though, I think. When you don't forgive, it allows you to keep that grudge. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you a license to seek a little revenge. <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I even think this is good for you in business, that you forgive and stuff, because I know people will want to go and steal away an account just to get back at somebody and they'll do it for less money. And you're like, why you're now you're working for less money. Just so you can go get back at that guy when you could be doing something else and to have that better account or something, you know? So yeah, we like that a little bit of license to be able to seek revenge and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't do yourself any good. In fact, in that situation there, the guy is just hurting himself by doing that lesser job, you know? So in all aspects in life, in your relationships, work, you know, just forgiving and letting go. And so many people think when I say that you need to forgive and everything does not mean you forget because there's a lot of people who've really, really hurt you. You don't need to have them in your life. Just because you forgave them doesn't mean that they need to be around or anything there. So you can still let them go and not be a part of your life, but you won't have that running around in your head, letting it affect you anymore. And and that's really important. Mm. How do people start to rebuild their life? Because especially if they do start to get rid of toxic people after they've forgiven, and as you said, not forgotten, how, how can people start to rebuild their life? And yeah, because it's, it's a whole new ball game for them. They can create what they want, really. Right. And um, for me in my life, uh, I've become more successful at work, just doing the same things, you know, kind of doing the same things all the time. And I think just grabbing on, I, I also talk about a thing I call rewriting your story. Now, I what I mean by that is, if you've ever seen the movie The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. all this stuff happens. And at the end, a small bit of information at the end changes the whole story before that. Yes. And... I think you can turn your life around. I've got a whole book of my life on things that happens to me, um, deal with my dad's mental illness and both my parents' deaths and raising my sister and my own failures and all this stuff and fills a whole book. But these things like I'm doing now, this to be being here today is my rewriting my story, helping other people. It makes everything I went through different. Those That's now a tool. That was now a learning experience, not just a painful event in my life. So I like to see people do that. I like to see them take things that they've learned, take these experiences, learn something from them and turn them around and make something better out of them. Mm. And it's that perception. To me, often I find, you know, like my background is design. So I always look at things quite differently from other people. And But when I'm working with my coaching clients, that's the beauty of it because someone gives you a different perspective whether it's you, me, any other coach, and someone gives you a different perspective and you go, oh, shit, I could actually think about that a different way. And and I think that's something, like I said, that guy, he, I think he knew that. You just had to hear it. Sometimes you just need somebody else to tell you it's okay or maybe you just kind of point it out to you. And once it's pointed out, we we do know. I mean, a lot of times I think it's common sense and we do know these things. We just need somebody else to come along sometimes and tell you, hey, there it is, you know, look at it. Oh, okay. You know, and you can do these things. So uh, it's amazing. And, and I always, the reason, part of the reason I do this too, is because of my life and all the things I went through, I feel like I'm not rich. I'm not, 
you know, I'm not a celebrity or anything like that, but I've come way far in my life. And I think anybody can do that if they really want to, if they really want to work at it. So you don't need to be there in that same spot. And whether it's money that you're trying to do or relationships, which are more important than money and, and you know, and break off all this crud that you may, you can leave behind. Your life can improve so much more. And my wife and I both came from broken families, uh, both from divorce. And we've been married longer than our, either one of our parents were. So mm. hopefully we're doing something right. You know, I mean, you don't have to do that. But, and when you both come from divorced families, the odds that we're going to be divorced is very high. You know, you don't need to follow those things. Yeah. So. And you and your wife, I understand, you speak to people about their relationships and their marriages. What sort of tips can you give people to have a long and healthy marriage? Oh, my goodness. Well, resentment and selfishness are the two things that destroy marriages. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't hold on to resentment. You have to, There's the forgiveness aspect again. You have mm-hmm. to forgive each other. And it's hilarious. To me, it's hilarious. My wife doesn't find it so funny that a lot of the things that she loves about me are also the things that drive her the most crazy about me. So I'm, I'm kind of an entrepreneur, but she doesn't like the uncertainty of entrepreneurship because that's, you know, that's just up, down, all over the place, you know, running your own business is crazy. You don't always know what's going to happen. So she doesn't like that. She likes security. And so, but she also likes that I'm a go-getter and that I work hard. And so it's the same thing that drives her crazy that she loves about me. But yeah, that and selfishness, you see so much selfishness. And I I wish I could give a a good example in a relationship thing that we've, we've seen, but it really is one person just focuses on themselves or, you know, because really being a lover is not being selfish and, <laughs> and giving to the other person. And so uh, we, those are the two things that we just see a lot. So I just think people need to work on not being selfish. And we're selfish by nature. I, I mean, we really are. So, I mean, I'm selfish by nature. <laughs> so I have, we, we fight those things all the time. So, mm. yeah. So in 50 years' time, where would you like to see yourself? Where, where would you see your life looking like? Obviously, one with lots of forgiveness. Yes. Um, well, I'm hopefully there. For me, being that we, my, really important to my wife and I is that we came from a broken family. So we have three kids, mm-hmm. and they, which is the thing we're the most proud of, is that they know nothing about alcoholism from her family, nothing about the uncertainty and the fighting and the Tra- uh, the drama that went on in my house. They know nothing of any of that. And we're hoping we've broken that line of dysfunction and that we're going to have a bunch of grandkids and we're going to have this huge family and get to enjoy that. And that's where I want to be in, in 50 years. If I'm still alive, I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I mean, that's all we look forward to. We look forward to having this big family and hopefully this better togetherness. We're not perfect parents by any means or anything. We know there's still a lot of things we'd like to improve on, but we're so much farther down the road than where we grew up in. Mm. And so we're hoping that that this is something, you know, when you want to change the world, I mean, hopefully our the generations that go on in our family have been changed because of what we did. Mm. And so 
I'm hoping that there are literally hundreds of people farther down the, you know, generations down the road that have all been benefited from this breaking of the alcoholism and this and that and everything. So that's where I want to be. And that or and on a beach somewhere <laughs> with a drink in my hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good way to be living. <laughs> How can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can go to my website. It's Tim Olson. That's T-I-M-O-L-S-O-N dot info. And uh, my email's on there. And you can take a look at my book. You can read a couple of the chapters there. We are actually recording this on the 29th anniversary. Well, I don't know if an anniversary is a good word. My mom died 29 years ago today as we record this. Wow. And you can read the one of the chapters you can read is a little bit of the when I got the call about my mom dying. She was 41 when she mm. passed away. So young. Very young. And I was 20. And it's scary. I mean, really rough situation. Um, so you can read that. You can get my email on there. Contact me. I love it when people follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm on there as Timo number two funky. And uh, I tweet out and post all the time positive things and and uh just trying to make your day brighter and sometimes i try to be funny i don't know if i pull that off but you know but um yeah and i answer my emails myself so anybody ever wants to just ask a question i'm always there to somebody to reach out and just say hey i love it and yeah thanks for sharing about your mom that's very young to lose lose your mom and would you be prepared to tell us a little bit about how you heard the news that she'd, she'd passed away? Yeah. Well, she was, um, diabetic. Uh, I knew that. And she, my parents had divorced. She had moved to California. So I actually hadn't talked to her for months because she was living out there. I was still living here and I was 20 and, and I just got a phone call one morning and it was my stepdad and he never called. So, um, she said, yep, she's in the hospital. They're working on her and I'll call you back. And I just knew right then and there that it was bad news. I And when the phone rang again, I didn't want to pick it up. I just mm-hmm. knew what was going to be other on the other end. And it turned out her heart collapsed and was somewhat from being diabetic and overweight and stuff. Um, and the lesson for that, for me, for, to, for people is that life is short. Who would have thought at 41, mm-hmm. I passed that a number of years ago. And to know that I've lived a longer life than my mom mm-hmm. is, it, it just, I don't know, it bothers me to think that because they just think, wow, that really was a short life. Yes. So you're about promised tomorrow. So I like to say, don't go to bed mad at somebody, you know, forgive somebody that you need to forgive mm-hmm. and, and love somebody that you need to love and, and let them know because boy, it, is amazing that how short a life you can have. Mm. And you're right, in amongst all the the tragedy of that, there is a beautiful lesson in it that, you know, do forgive because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we've both heard of too many people where people have died and we haven't had that final conversation with them. And unfortunately, we, we need to live with it for the rest of our lives. So... Yeah, I, I should have talked to her at some point in those all those months, but we just... She was doing her thing out there. I was doing my thing. We just didn't even talk. So it, it literally, I don't even know how many months it was, but it was literally months from our last conversation. It might have been even, I had visited her in August and she died in March. It might have even been that long of time between conversations for all you remember. Yeah. But, it, you know, as you say, in amongst all of this, you have to forgive yourself. And it sounds like 
you have and which um yeah so thank you for sharing because i think there's real value in people understanding that right yeah and um and my dad died three years after that so the you know that's that's part of the book and and um two for other people too uh you may not write a book but writing my book really helped me through this process Mm -hmm. so i like to tell people too just journal for yourself if if that helps be and i think it helps because when i started writing a lot of that out i really brought up and remembered a lot of things and kind of relived it a little bit and at a later date reliving it seemed to allow myself to put it to rest and for you know finally just be okay with all of it Yeah, absolutely. Because I think when you write things down, you you actually become more aware of them because apart from you've had the act of actually putting it out and putting words to it, but you're seeing it as well. And we know this stuff's happened, but until we actually really consciously look at it, we don't necessarily see it, do we? Yeah. And when you think, I mean, we think really fast, but when you go to write it down, it's a very slow process. It takes a lot more thinking time and it really slows you down. And I think that's part of what helped me about it is that I actually took time to think about it and think about the words and how I wanted to express that and what it really meant to me. And it just was so much more than just thinking that, you know, so. Mm. I think too, the beauty of what you're talking about is I know it's difficult to get inside and to face some of the things that have happened to us when we were young. But once we actually do do that, that's when we start that forgiveness process, isn't it? It's by really feel it, re-feeling some of that, as difficult as it is, but making sense as an adult about some of the things that may have happened to us when we were younger and looking at it with a slightly different lens can ease some of that pain, can't it? Yeah. And that's what's funny to me is it seems to me we all have things when we were young. Whenever I talk to anybody, it's something, whether it was bullying in school or family things or, you know, really tragic things that have happened to people. It all seems to go back to when they're younger. And it's amazing to me. And one reason I do what I do is I really try to focus on men because I did not have a good role model with my dad to see men 40, 50, 60 years old crying about the relationship with their father that they didn't have, you know, because it's so important. So, uh, and that just goes back to their childhood. So yeah, it seems like when we're children or younger or something that we have these things happen to us and it, you know, what is that? That's a short span of your life and somehow we let it affect the rest of it. And we need to deal with that, forgive and hopefully be able to take those things, turn them into something different and be able to use that to propel you for the rest of your life. So what other wisdom can you share with us for our design new community that, that can propel us for the rest of our life? Oh, where's my little note things? I got tons of little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about the revenge, you know, and, and positive thinking. That's something I do. Mm. Um, I, and I don't know. I've been trying to figure this one out if people are naturally hardwired one way or the other, because I feel like I'm kind of a natural positive thinker, but I am a glass half full type of guy. And I really think that makes a big difference. You look at the world all the time, just seeing, finding the best in everything. So I always try to encourage everybody, try to look at the good things. Mm-hmm. And this is the area my wife and I are different. She's a glass half empty person. <laughs> and so I'm always like, no, look, look over here. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> it works. It works good though because she finds the things that I uh, I miss sometimes because I'm not. I don't always look for the negative stuff either. So yeah. it's a good it's a good mix. But when when you go out in the world, I mean, there is so much bad out there, and all you have to do is get on any social media or anything, and just you just see it all, and we're just drawn towards it. You know, just you have to think positively. You have to look forward and you have to know you can do things. A lot of people I know, they don't even start to go after their goal or their dream because they're afraid of failing. Mm. Like how I failed at more things than I've ever succeeded at, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have failed at all. I wouldn't have succeeded at the things I did if I wouldn't have tried to fail at the things that I did. So I'm not afraid of failure. I don't mind it. You lose sometimes and you take the lesson of that and you move on. So. Look at the positive. Think positive. And it takes the same amount of effort to think a positive thought as it does a negative thought. So go with the positive one. <laughs> I actually think it takes less energy because your body actually does take on a whole different, like the muscles tense up when, you, when you're being negative. Your shoulders are drawn towards your neck. Like It actually uses more energy in your body to be thinking negatively than when you're actually open and, and positive. But they have actually proven that I think it's 40, about 40% of your positivity does come from your family and how they looked at the world, but it can be changed. So yes, if, and if you were brought up that your family were glass half full, chances are you will be that way, but you can change it. Well, mine was not, so I don't know why I am that <laughs> way. But I do have these facts here too that I talk about when it comes about forgiveness because you know, when you don't forgive too, you're just dealing with all that and you're going to have all this stress. So I looked up this things about stress and that 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are related to stress. Cool. So, and you know, and then 43% of adults suffer adverse effects from stress, such as headaches, high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, anxiety. So right there, and you want to talk about what the power of positive thinking can do for you. Um, you know, we don't need that high blood pressure or <laughs> if that stuff, especially as you get older, like, like me, I, I, <laughs> I need to watch that one. So yeah, I mean, power, positive thinking. I mean, it actually will affect you physically. And I mean, who doesn't want to be healthy? We do so many things to be healthy and here's an easy one. Just start thinking positively. Let stress go out of your system and forgive because that will help with that area too and yeah i don't i'd like to know how much uh maybe i can like uh eat more uh little chocolate cake and cookies and if i <laughs> if i live in a positive life instead of being negative that's a positive way of looking at it <laughs> <laughs> I, anything i can do to try to get a little more snacks in i i'll try to pull it off so <laughs> Well, wishing you a long and healthy life full of snacks and lots of positive <laughs> thinking. Thank you for your little rays of sunshine today. I've really appreciated it. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. No, it's been awesome fun. And, of course, two positive people getting together. It has to be positive. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Tim. You bet. Thank you. A huge shout-out to you for being here, for listening in, and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honour your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. 
I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.